while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. And Chris will be back tomorrow, but we're joined now uh, by New Bedford Representative uh, Tony Gabral. Hey, Tony, how are you? How are you? Good, are you? good. Nice. Thanks for coming in. We've, oh, we've, you're welcome. I haven't been in the studio for quite some time. I know, yeah. it's been. I, I know COVID's kept a lot of people out of the studio for a couple years and uh, all of that. And uh, Although we were we were in together uh, a few months ago when I had my Saturday show. But, yes, we were. Uh, um, so... Uh, we had, we've been having a lot of members of the delegation on, uh, recently, uh, we had Paul Schmidt on yesterday. And one of the things that we've been, um, discussing with the delegation is the issue surrounding, um, the proposal for scallop leasing in the, uh, uh, in the port of New Bedford and really throughout the Commonwealth. There was a hearing in Gloucester, Representative Markey went on behalf of the delegation. Um, the New England Fisheries Council had, uh, voted, uh, voted against the scallop leasing um, proposal, all of the scallop leasing proposals at the meeting in Gloucester. Mm -hmm. Why was it important? Why was it, uh, and I know you signed on the letter opposing it, so why was it important that the Fisheries Council had struck that down? I think that was very important. As you know, we, uh, as a delegation, uh, the House delegation, we uh, sent a letter, all all of us, to the Council, to the New England Council, uh, stating what we thought was uh, not a good proposal before them. Uh, and I think in the end they agreed with us and yeah. with other folks, who and the, including the city, the Port of New Bedford, also opposed uh, scholar uh, policing. Uh, I think it's basically, uh, in part, who's going to benefit the big players, the big players in the business, right? Uh, the small guy, again, the family-oriented owner of a scholar per, right? Uh, was, I think would be an attempt to consolidate and make the big guys the bigger. Even yeah. bigger than what they are, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I don't think that's good for the Port of New Bedford itself. Yeah. I don't think it's good for the smaller guy. Plus all the infrastructure that we have in the Port of New Bedford to, to help um, to work on, be from, uh, from welding to painting to uh, fixing motors and so forth. You name the, all of those activities would also be impacted eventually if this proposal was to be approved. Yeah, and uh, there's already too much of that going on in the Port of New Bedford as it is, um, so it doesn't need to get worse uh, by uh, by the scallop leasing proposal. They have appealed the decision. Um, I don't know if you know the likelihood of, of success on their appeal, uh, whether or not that's going to be successful, the people who I mean, propose the motion. They do have the right to appeal. I think all, I don't know what, what other information they can uh, present to the, to the New England Council to change their mind. I think it was a pretty solid vote yeah. in, in that uh, that group. So I think, yes, you have the right to appeal if you have new information that you can present. Uh, but I think it's the likelihood is that the council will maintain the position that they have. So um, we're speaking with New Bedford Representative Tony Gabral, also taking your calls at 508-996-0500. But what I wanted to talk to you about uh, as well is there was a hearing last night on the Fairhaven New Bedford... Um, uh, bridge, uh, which has been a subject of much annoyance for people for a long time, but uh, 
you know, you, Representative Strauss, the delegation have worked on getting a new bridge. What, what went on at the hearing last night? Well, the hearing is it's the first of a series of public hearings. Uh, there's one last night. There was one. There was one. Another one Thursday night, to allow people to the general public uh, to know what the plan is going forward, and to get some feedback from the public in general. Uh, this is really the beginning of uh, of the process. We've been working. We've been pushing this issue for quite some time. Myself, and in particular myself and, and, and Representative Strauss. Um, not to leave anybody else out, but I think we were well, it's a, several years back. He represents Fairhaven. You know, you represent most of New Bedford, so it makes yeah, sense. And, you, yeah. and uh, he's the chair of transportation. Of course. I've, been, I've been the chair of bonding up until this term. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> which the money will be bonding yeah. uh, to, to, to we're successful uh, to earmark uh, within the transportation bond bill $100 million. That's the first time we've had a really the ability to, to secure some bonding uh, for this project. This project, you know, has been in the minds of people uh, for many, many, many years. I remember going back even to the 80s, they were talking about this. Uh, and uh, also in the 90s, there was a charrette. I don't know if you remember that, Marcus. Probably not. You're too young. I was a kid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was born uh, in 89. It was so, a, yeah. a charrette. It was organized by Whale and and uh, and Tony Sousa at the time was the head of, uh, of Whale uh, Charrette, in which the public in general came and provided all kinds of ideas around. Actually, one of the outcomes of that charade was actually to change the route of Route 6 so he wouldn't go through where the bridge is, would go in a different direction and sort of allow... Uh, I don't think if that would have been a good proposal either. Right. But anyway, that was uh, one of the outcomes of that charade. So it's been, uh, it's, it's been a, an issue that we've been trying to um, create uh, support Obviously, it's a big project. It's a very costly project, but I, I believe it can be done and it ought to be done. Um, so it's going to take some time. Uh, it's going to take some time. One of the, my frustrations as well is how long it really takes yeah. for a project of this nature uh, to really come to fruition and completion. Um, but I think we need to follow and we need to follow all the all the rules and the regulations around the environmental impacts, uh, how it would impact also the tithe. I mean, it's a lot of things that needs to be studied before you actually put in a structure there. So, um, well, well, you said it's going to take some time. Do you have any idea how uh, how long it's going to take for a new bridge? Right now, uh, the projection is uh, uh, possibly five years just for the design portion of it. Yeah, yeah. It's not too bad. And, and potentially another five years for actually construction oh okay so about 10 years so um i know these things do take time but uh so we're speaking with uh, representative tony cabral uh of new bedford so um with the bridge uh, i talked to rep Strauss about this a while back and he what he said was there's actually going to um they were thinking of doing it's not going to be the swivel bridge it might right. be a a, a like lift a, yeah, a lift like the like the train bridge uh, on right. the Cape. Are there any other types of proposals? I think they're going to look at all the various uh, uh, bridges, uh, including yeah. the one that the, the one or less that works. Okay, like the one that is there. I believe eventually uh, would make a lot more sense, and it would probably allow the construction to be a shorter period of time if it was the lift type, right? Because yeah. you could begin construction while. The existing bridge still functioning. Yeah. Uh, if you go with any other uh, type of bridge, uh, then you would have to shut down completely the bridge that is there now 
And, you know, and I don't think that's probably the best approach. It right. would impact tremendously all the business on, on Pope's Island and, and right. on both sides, on Fish Island as well. So, the uh, what needs to be decided or studied, I should say, uh, is uh, what's the span and what's the height we need. Yeah. Uh, if it's a lift one, we need to to have an understanding what kind of height we really need. Yeah. Uh, how many, what kind of ships we are going to go to the north terminal. Um, and what that height is required. So we don't get into a same situation that we have right now with the opening of, of the hurricane dike, right? Yeah, right. It's 150 feet. And so it's sort of uh, um, impacting uh, impacting us around a future development. Um, so there, uh, the spin right now is around 80, 85, 90 feet, right? Yeah. On each side. If you remove that, this bridge, if you will, and use the lift one, you could potentially have a minimum at least to match the hurricane dike, right? Or potentially even, you know, uh, wider. Uh, so that would give us uh, uh, a lot more flexibility for whatever development we're going to continue to have in the north, north terminal. Right. So we're speaking with uh, Representative Tony Cabral. We're actually taking your calls at 508-996-0500. Let's go to the phones, actually. Good okay. evening. You're live. Is it open forum tonight or not? Uh, sure. Uh, already, uh, they've lost 20,000 children coming over the border. Uh, yeah, we're not going to actually, it's not that open of a forum. We're, we're talking about local issues here. We have a state rep. He doesn't have any control what's going on in Texas. So um, uh, we're, uh, we're speaking with Representative Tony Cabral of New Bedford. Um, and in fact, let's actually just take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay. I believe well, it's still there. Yeah. It's still on William Street. Unless they're gonna move because that building was gonna be renovated. Okay. Maybe, so maybe they maybe, maybe they, they are maybe they are gonna move. Maybe they uh, are gonna move or already moved because that building's gonna be that's where the United Way was as well. Okay. Yeah. So it's being renovated. We're we're on uh so we were just talking about uh, off air about the um, about the attorney general's office in New Bedford. Andrea Campbell was on last night. Talked about um, talked about uh, improving and expanding on that regional office down there, and we're excited for that. But let's get back to the conversation uh, at hand. We're speaking with State Rep. Tony Cabral of New Bedford. Uh, we were talking about the bridge. Um, you know, in, in somewhere down the road, we're going to get a new bridge. You and you and Rep. Strauss have worked to earmark a hundred million dollars in the uh, last. Um, you in some recent legislation to get this moving. And um, you were telling me off air, actually, some important stuff about uh, it's a lift bridge, but it's going to, I mean, it's supposed to be, it, it, it could be a lift bridge. And if it's a lift bridge, it's got to meet some certain parameters, right? Right. Some parameters. And there's also the possibility there's going to do a study of, of changing maybe the grade of the road uh, leading up and getting off the bridge. Uh, the idea would be if there is that possibility as part of the design, and that's just right now in discussions and will be part of the study, um, then certain types of boats that today requires the bridge to open might not have to be open if, if it was, let's say, a, ver a vertical lift yeah. kind of kind of um, kind of um, bridge, uh, and that's one advantage as well. And the other advantage is, is it can you can start construction while using the present one. Right, exactly. And so there there could be a possibility that it's not 
it won't have to lift. There'll it won't. It'll only have to lift under when there's certain vessels that are coming by. Certain there, types of vessels, depending on the height of the vessel. Yeah, so that's good. Um, so we're speaking with Rep. Tony Cabral at the hearing. Was there anything in particular um, that residents had voiced their concerns about, or that other people had voiced the, vo- voiced their concerns about? Well, one of the concerns uh, that. It's basically what happens now if the bridge closes for any period of time, yeah, right? right? It's the, the traffic, it's the ability for the general public to get to those businesses along the route yeah. of where the bridge is. Uh, that's always a big concern. And the, of course, one of the concerns is if you're going to have a bridge that requires a complete shutdown while one the other one is being constructed, yeah. Uh, complete shutdown of that area, then it could have a significant impact on small businesses in that area. Uh, in yeah. some cases, uh, the impact in other in other projects that we have seen, yeah. it can actually make some of those small businesses go completely out of business. You know, and that's right. we don't want that to happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen we've seen uh, uh, you know long term infrastructure projects negatively ap- impact businesses in in the area before. Um, you, yeah, and there's growing that that area of Pope's Island is actually they're like adding businesses. It's a growing right. area of, of of development, so you want to keep that going. So, um, with that's, that's one of the challenges, but I think yeah. that's a challenge that we need to meet. Right, of course. And what about the fishing industry? Have they voiced any concerns about a new bridge or any preferences on what a, a, a new bridge would be to make their um, their uh, uh, launches uh, easier um, when they're going on their trips? No, I don't think it will have an impact uh, per se, a negative impact on the fishing industry. Yeah, uh, it could, depending again, depending on the on uh, on the boat. Yeah, I don't know if any of the fishing boats would be able to go through without being, without the uh, bridge being open, uh, but maybe a small craft like recreational craft uh, that now uses uh, also the North Terminal and up upstream actually closer to 195 like Moby Dick Marina and other places, yeah, yeah. right? Um, that could also help uh, develop that area, as you know, the Quinns, uh, uh, the old Riviera Copper. Uh, plant was bought by the Quins and, and right. they have plans for uh, a shipyard there and they have plans for to expand the ability to repair uh, repair vessels there too so that will will help them as well uh, once a new bridge that makes it easy to move vessels through so let's talk about some of the development on the uh, on the waterfront actually I mean we've had some events uh, out there we've talked about um, there's, uh, you know, with offshore wind and with, uh, you know, we've gotten, uh, um, grants from, um, from the federal government to clean up the, uh, to clean up the waterfront. Uh, what kind of, um, what can people start expecting with, uh, the, um, what can people start expecting on the waterfront with the emergence of, or the establishment of the offshore wind industry here? Well, I think you're going to see jobs. That's yeah. uh, the first, uh, first, uh, the first impact you're going to have. You're going to have a especially in the construction period, which will begin uh, early in 2023, the Vineyard Buen project, and then after that you have the Mayflower project as well. So you're gonna see jobs, uh, not only in the waterfront, not only in that industry, but throughout the economy in our area, because you're gonna have, uh, the you know, they're gonna have to supply vessels that go out there and stay there for a week or two. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna have tugboats moving back and forth. You're gonna have all kinds of activity that we've never had before. It's really gonna make um, the port of New Bedford extremely busy. 
If you right. think it's busy now, yeah. it's going to get super busy, and that's good. That's a good sign. It, and and so, but we need to continue working on, on the infrastructure uh, in uh, around the offshore wind and also around the fishing industry. It's important for us to be the leaders in offshore wind uh, in New Bedford, but also at the same time we must protect. Uh, the interests of the fishing industry, and I think we can accomplish and create a balance on, on that. Yeah, you know, and I've I've been saying uh, uh, about this is that I think you know, of course, obviously, the fishing industry brings in uh, so much to the local economy, and we have a great seafaring workforce of seven thousand jobs on the waterfront, but the thing is, is that um, if we don't also if we don't uh, take uh, action on climate, then um, it's going to affect their catch. You know, I talked to Mayor Mitchell about that. He, you know, I remember a while back, a while back, and he said they're they're catching, you know, these uh, certain fish that you used to see only off the the coast of Florida. So, five zero eight nine nine six oh five hundred. So you can get the program. Let's take uh, let's take a call. Good evening. Hey Tony, I'm Marcus. How you doing? Hey Tom Kennedy, what's up? Well, I got Good a evening. question. I, I, <laughs> hey Tony, how you doing? Good uh, for the state representative. Tony, back about oh, it must have been about twenty years ago. The redevelopment authority was making a concerted effort, this has to do with the bridge, uh, to gain uh, control of the land between uh, where the uh, Black Wheel restaurant is and the gas station that's on the bridge. There's a landmass there. Mm -hmm. Would you know offhand if, if they were successful in that, or is that in private hands? And would that be something that uh, the taking of land would take place uh, for the construction of a new bridge. Well, we have not, uh, up to now, we have not heard that we need to take any land, uh, that be private or otherwise, to, for, for the construction of the new bridge. Uh, but again, this is in the very beginning of planning and uh, and design. Uh, these public areas are important uh, in order for them to get a better understanding of uh, of uh, all everything from traffic flow to to uh, any possibility of even taking any land, as you mentioned. Uh, I think what we would, at least what I would like to to see is the public to really get involved, um, and and uh, no question is a stupid question as we say, right? No comment is not a good. Every comment, every question is important in this process. It's going to take, as I said at the beginning of this program, it's going to take several years to really get to to uh, not only the twenty five percent design, but especially the seventy five percent. Once we reach seventy five percent design, that's when you're really going to as we you, you begin to make decisions about construction, right? Right, um, right, right. Good. That, that's a good answer. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. So, uh, 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program if you want to ask Rep Cabral a question. We've been talking about uh, the the um, the new Fairhaven New Bedford Bridge uh, that'll come sometime down the road, and uh, some of the developments that are. Uh, going on uh, in the uh, on the waterfront, so um, you know I, I've seen you've got. A, I was just telling. Uh, I was just telling you off the air. I think out of everybody in the delegation, you've you've got the. I think the best social media um, posts and presence and all of that uh, out of anybody in the delegation. And so I get to see a lot of the work that you're doing uh, very regularly. Um, and recently over here, and they've been running a ton of ads here, so I have no problem bringing it up. But you were with uh, Rep. Sylvia, with Mike Rodericks, uh, Ch uh, Chairman Rodericks, who was just on the show uh, last week. Um, we're, at the, uh, we're at the grand opening of the Fairhaven Pharmacy. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the Fairhaven, uh, about that and why that's uh, you know that that's uh, exciting. I think it's really exciting, and uh, I'm glad that uh, 
Brian and Tom uh, invited me to be uh, part of the grand opening. Uh, this is really an independent pharmacy. Yeah. Uh, we've been going uh, over the years. We've been going in the other direction into the you know the so-called uh, uh, big box uh, companies from CVS to Walgreens right. and, and so forth. And this is really the beginning. We are seeing here s someone investing in, in the community um, and and independently of any other bigger pharmacy. Um, um, I mean the. Most of his family, interesting, is uh, are involved in, in, in this sort of business. So some of them are pharmacists, not, okay. uh, not just uh, Brian. Uh, so I think this is a great uh, great opportunity for also not only for the family, but, but for Fairhaven as well. I think uh, Fairhaven uh, will see a local business that has an interest in the community. Uh, and um, you don't see too many little league teams with... CVS on their back on their shirts, right? right? Exactly. <laughs> or yeah. Walgreens or others, and I'm, you know. But you you're going to see or usually see small business in our community, be in Fairhaven, be in New Bedford, and those are the kinds of folks who actually help the community uh, involved directly because it impacts sometimes their kids, their families, their friends, and their friends' kids. So I think seeing more of that is is really awesome, and I. And I've been always a big supporter of independent pharmacies, uh, and there are several. I mean, uh, from between here and Fall River, there are there are several of them. They usually do a very good job going up to Beacon Hill and present their, their issues, or some people call it lobbying. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, uh, and I've always had a close relationship with those folks when they go up. I think it's it's great that they are in the game, in the fight. Uh, and try to protect uh, small independent pharmacies. Okay, so you're saying there's actually some independent pharmacies in Fall River? Yeah. Okay. Is that the connection that, because is that why, is that why uh, uh, Senator Rodericks and, and Rep. Selvia made the intrepid over here? Uh, yes, that's part <laughs> okay. of the connection. They, they, it's, it's like a, a group of folks, uh, they have an association uh, and they do go up to uh, to, to Boston and and and, and try oh, to defend their, their issues and their interests. That's really interesting. Yeah, and, and to the point of, of, of supporting the community, again, Favorite Pharmacy, even uh, leading up to the time that they were opening, has run a, a, a lot of ads here at WBSM. So definitely invested in, in, in reaching out to the to uh, locally to, to the people here. So um, I do want to talk about, you know, again, the, you talked about some, uh, you often post a, a lot of uh, grants that uh, that, that uh, think, uh, places in New Bedford have earned, some ear, uh, funding earmarks, in fact, uh, I think Rep. Schmidt had said to us off here. You, you guys all comp you you guys all compliment each other when you're here. If we talk about one of you, you all you all say nice things about each other. It's really nice. All the South Coast delegation, but Rep. Schmidt had said that. Uh, you are uh, a fierce advocate for New Bedford in the State House, always getting uh, you know every cent you can from uh, from Beacon Hill, from Speaker Mariano. And uh, to that point, there's a 1.8 million dollar grant awarded to New Bedford Vogue um, for uh, for the Culinary Arts and HVAC program. Can you tell us about that? Well, I, uh, I want to thank uh, Representative Smith for yeah. that compliment. But I can tell you that we, as a delegation, we are an awesome delegation. Uh, because I part of that delegation, we work well together. Uh, we uh, we pick priorities. We keep we we pick the fights. Yeah. Uh, and and obviously, uh, I am um, I I am a fighter. I, I mean, yeah. I, I will not give up until I get something for New Bedford. I mean, that's my that's my one of my goals. One of my objectives is to bring every single penny that we can 
down to the city and down to the south coast. And I think right. we've been very successful. Um, and especially now with all the funds available, there are quite a, quite a, a healthy uh, f um, number of funds available. For sure. So I, I think we need to really, when we coordinate uh, uh, and really fight for what we need from school uh, from uh, school aid. I mean, we, I was in the fight along with some other members of the delegation in changing the formula for Chapter 70 yes. uh, to make sure that Gateway Cities, which is New Bedford, Fall River, and others, 26 of, the, of us, would, would reap the benefits of that change. And we are seeing yeah. that. For example, this, this school year, uh, the New Bedford Public Schools will receive $25 million more than the previous school year. Yeah. That's directly linked to to the new formula of of, uh, of Chapter 7. And that's over the next uh, at least seven years, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we're, this is the second year of the seven years. So okay. uh, in terms of, of the grants, there are a number of grants that have been made available, especially because of COVID and the, and the money that we the state has received. Uh, for, for during the pandemic, specifically to create uh, to to improve HVAC uh, in the school systems, be VOC or other. So this is this is uh, we what we did instead of uh, earmarking for everybody, we created a a, a big a big fund at the state level that that each community or each school in this case the VOC tech can apply and make this as, as long as they do a good. Uh, application, they're going to get, they're going to get some funding for that because the way that the fund was designed when the legislature designed it is to make sure every school has an opportunity uh, to to go in there and change uh, its HVAC to be uh, f so the place will be healthier. Right. And and the air that uh, those kids uh, breathe is clean. The idea is try to get HVAC um, systems. To, to be around 98, 99% um, efficient in terms of, of cleaning and rotating uh, the air that, that goes into the buildings. Uh, and that's what this grant is going to do. We're speaking with uh, Rep. Tony Cabral uh, of uh, New Bedford, and we're taking your calls at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on the program. So, you know, we were talking a little bit about this. I, I talked about this with um, Rep. Andre, uh, with, uh, I mean, Rep. Schmid. Uh, for, we touched on it a little bit with Rep. Schmid. I touched on it with Rep. Campbell. We're talking about Student Opportunity Act funding. Again, that is a big opportunity that that um, that, that you, were, you and, and the delegation were able to secure in the legislature getting that funding. Um, for for a number of years and hopefully going forward after that, but the ch uh, the issue of charter schools, uh, we uh, it got brought up because you know uh, 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 Campbell uh, Andrea Campbell is going to be the next Attorney General, um, all um, very likely is a supporter of it. Um, we've had issues down here with charter schools. They're going to rear their, you know, that those issues are going to rear their ugly head uh, again, even when, even if we, we we were able to stave off the last charter school. What's your position um, on uh, the prospect of new charter schools being established in uh, in New Bedford? Well, there is a there is no possibility of creating additional charter schools unless the school system. Uh, uh, is under a certain percentage of performance. And the reason why we still, yeah. in the B city of... Bottom 10 and... Uh, bottom 10, 10, right. Bottom 10% uh, MCAS scoring. Uh, so, the only way we're going to get rid of those slots, if you will, mm -hmm. is to increase 
uh, the performance of the November public schools. Right. And that's where I think where the focus should be. That's where the fight should be. Yeah. Is to really change those numbers, change those scores, and create the opportunities for those kids to succeed. Yes. Uh, uh, and that's where the fight ought to be, right? Right. Now, I've always been a believer that if you are a supporter of charter schools, then you got to put your money where your mouth is, right? you got to create the system, a yeah. funding system, yeah. Right. That we don't have right now. I have actually proposed in the past a funding system, uh, equal and se- but a, a different system, in which the charter schools would be funded, uh, actually at a better at a better return than what it is now. Now it's on the in the they piggyback on the public schools, yeah. and then the legislature tries to backfill uh, whatever that public school uh, lost in funding for the next three to five years. That's no way of running a school system, right? Right. If we're going to be supporters of a what they call a public charter school, the only thing really public about it is the funding. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> it's true. Nothing else is public, right? Yeah. There's no public committee that is elected to run those schools. Yeah. Right. Look. It's it's a private board uh, yeah. picked by by the leadership of each one of those places, uh, and then um, they were. The objective of the charter schools has always been, or at least that's the selling point, is a place that can be creative and innovative. Sure. And then we could learn from that experience and, and bring that to the public schools. Right. None of those charter schools, regardless of where they are in Massachusetts, have actually reached that level. Yeah. Uh, we have um, a number of elementary schools in New Bedford, public schools, that actually outperform every single one of the charter schools in New Bedford. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and it's not one; it's it's over ten of them outperform their scores. Their MCAS scores are better yeah. than the scores of Ahmed Almar or or Global. Uh, right. So, just because it is a charter school doesn't mean you're going to perform better, right? Right. It's really about the teachers that are in that school. Yes. It's about the commitment from the parents, and it's about and a commitment from the school committee in this case in the superintendent's office. Uh, I'm hoping that the 25 million this year and the next year will be another around 25 and so forth that gets applied and invested in the kids, not in brick and mortar. Right. We have uh, a mechanism to support that. Right. right. It's called the school building authority. Yeah. Uh, that's how we deal with those things, either for new schools or rehab existing schools or, or make some changes in the school around the HVAC um, and, and so forth. So I want those dollars to be invested in those children, right? right. That's how we're going to change the outcome because I want to get the scores to a point that we no longer have charter school slots available in New Bedford. Right. That's the goal. And that's the goal that I think the school committee ought to have. That's the goal that the school, um, the school itself, uh, the administration of the school should have. Uh, we're speaking with Rep. Tony Cabral. Um, before we take uh, a break, I'll just ask you one more question. Again, I asked this for Rep. Schmidt. It's an important issue 
personally to me, honestly, and and while I have you here, and I think it's an important issue because we're talking about education. Kids are just getting back into school. The charter school applications, off, you know, will start coming in if they uh, if they are, or, uh, you know, maybe there's one for New Bedford, Fall River, like there was last time. But uh, you talked about the the thing that the only way they can add more seats is if New Bedford stays in the bottom ten percent of MCAS scoring, right. um, and uh, it can go from nine percent uh, net school spending to eighteen, I think, if it's if it's if they're in the bottom. 10%. Um, I had Jim Hawkins on a few weeks ago. Uh, he talked about his legislation to try to change uh, the way that MCAS is applied or standardized testing is applied to make it less, you know, dogmatic or strict, you know, to make it like less of a stringent graduate requirement. Uh, he said he had 100 legislatures sign on to that. Um, are you supportive, broadly supportive of, of, of reforming the MCAS? I am. I'm a co-sponsor of that of that piece of legislation. Okay. I am. That's the other, the other issue that we need to really focus in when it comes to education. The MCAS scores, and and not using. I mean, the idea was never to use the test as the the sole decider of the yeah. success of the of uh, any child, yeah. or or to measure and and hold uh, school systems uh, uh, to the point that is detrimental to the school system. That's never been the objective uh, of of having a test like the MCAS. I think it can be reformed, ought to be reformed, because uh, you have what happens in a lot of the gateway cities, and most of the gateway cities are the ones who are um, uh, subject to charter school slots, yeah. um, because we have such a diverse and complex student body to teach and uh, to to teach and, and educate. Uh, Places like, I'll use one of our communities around here, but uh, many others, Dartmouth, for example, is not subject to that, right? Um, so when you have, like in the Bedford Public Schools, when you have kids or kids that come from homes that speak 40 different languages, right? right? And we are not addressing the needs of those families yeah. and the needs of those students. And of course, the outcomes are going to be poor. The unfortunate thing, what happened here once the once bilingual education was was eliminated through the referendum many years ago, um, the school system in New Bedford and other school systems in New Bedford stopped teaching uh, how to transition kids from their native language to English. They right. literally just stopped doing it. And actually, New Bedford prior to that, New Bedford was the leader in in not only. Uh, bilingual education, if you if I, if I may use that term, sure. But was the leader in you in taking the curriculum of each grade and actually uh, translating that curriculum into the language of that child? Other school systems used to look for that material and used to acquire that material from from the Rebecca Public Schools. Oh wow! They used to have an office of group a group of individuals. That was their job was to do that. So yeah. the kid that was still transitioning, let's say the kid was in fourth grade, for example, and uh, was still transitioning, didn't have the ability or his English fluency, he or she, English fluency was not to the point that they would be able to do all their curriculum and all their subject matter in, in English, they would be able to do it in their native language, or at least with an assistance, uh, if not full, uh, full-blown, in that language, at least with some form of assistance, so the child would, uh, so what the child would, would be able to make that transition successfully. And now you have 
a school system that is subject to MCAS, if a kid has been here, let's say, a year in the public system, and, by the way, he or she has to take the MCAS test. Right. So that, I know, and you know, that that child is not going to perform, say, their, their English test, which is one of the major tests on the of MCAS. Course. How are they going to perform on that test? How are they going to score on that test? We know it's not going to be a good score. Right. But it's not the fault of the child. It's not the fault necessarily of the public system as long as they have changed. And I think they, they are changing now. Uh, unfortunately, the U.S. Justice uh, to get involved is uh, the yes. Justice Department, yes. especially with Quiche. Yes. I, don't know, I don't know how they didn't understand. Um, I do office hours every, every month, right? Yeah. I've had... Uh, individuals come to my office hours. Right. That their primary language is cliche. Yeah, yeah. Not Spanish. Right. And I've had the opportunity to have someone being able to be there and be the interpreter. Yeah. Because they felt more comfortable talking to me and bringing the, whatever issue they were bringing to me in cliche right. than in Spanish because that's, Spanish is already a second language to them. Right? Yes. So, it's important for us to understand up front and get a good assessment of the needs and how we're going to teach that child, right? Right. Um, and now we we passed a law, which was myself and Representative Sanchez, which no longer is a representative. We lost an election a couple of terms ago in Boston. We passed legislation that allows each school system to create its own program and adjust the program for English language learners based on their needs for the particular population that they're dealing with. And most school systems have not adopted it. You know, we were talking, most school systems haven't adopted it. Wow. <laughs> we're speaking with uh, Representative Tony Cabral. I actually got to take a break and we'll be right back. New Bedford's News Talk Station. Let's talk yeah. about it now. So, um, you can come back another time. If you yeah, want. we're gonna. That's gonna be a. That's gonna be another segment. I think, Rep. Brown, <laughs> but I want you to mention it now. Uh, you were talking about so we're a new justice. We have that big Fall River Justice Center over there on the right. other side of the world. Um, but you uh, have money earmarked for a justice center here in New Bedford. Yes, I have earmarked for a justice center in New Bedford, one hundred and twenty-three point five million dollars. That amount was not taken off the from. Picked by by chance, it's based on a study that was done by the court system okay. of potentially, obviously, depending when we actually move into the design, we have to do a feasibility study, move into the design stage as well. Eventually, we might that price might change, but yeah. the original price that was established by the court system originally, I worked very closely um, with Harry Spence, which unfortunately already passed away. Yeah. He was the court administrator at the time, mm -hmm. uh, and they did a complete study. Uh, on uh, if we're to replace. And we know the condition of all the courts in New Bedford. We need to change that. We have trials. We no longer Awful. do criminal trials on the Superior it's, Court in New Bedford. All yeah. we do is civil trials. We yeah. have some probate cases that no longer are being done in probate court in New Bedford. Yeah. And we have New Bedford residents have to travel to Taunton or someplace else. It's it's so, really it it really it's really terrible. The 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 third district court in New Bedford is is not it, it is it is so outdated. It's either too hot in the summer or too cold in the winter. It's it's terribly ventilated. It's not it's cramped. It's it's dated. All the chairs are uncomfortable. I I spent a lot of time there so i'm very and, bitter and security the security system, security yeah everything it's, about uh, it's 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 just completely outdated so i think we need to do one and uh, what i've been advocating for is in the downtown area yeah 
and I believe that's where they ought to be. That's where all the, that, um, I mean, that's that that's the most central location. That's where most of the attorneys are, too, right, right. in the downtown area. Right. So, yeah. But we'll I, come back and we'll can talk some that's more a, that's details a whole, on that. That's a whole segment. That's Rip another big project. I know <laughs> yes. we talked a lot about the bridge, but yes. this is a, another project. It's a mega project for us, you know, but. Yeah, we're going to talk about that again, and uh, uh, I, I hope I hope soon. Thanks for coming on, Rep Cabral. I appreciate it. We're going to take this break, Thank and you. then we've got Anthony Puente. Why should you download the.